From the campus of Stanford University and on location, this is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast featuring in-depth one-on-one interviews with purpose-driven entrepreneurs and high-performance game changers committed to extraordinary ideas, preeminence, and multi-generational success. Our radio show and podcast illuminates the struggles, breakthroughs, and exceptional outcomes these game changers bring to industries, organizations, and lives. Hosted by Tom Dioro, principal of Podfather Media. Thank you, Tatum. For our guest today, please welcome Bob Berg. Bob is a renowned and highly sought-after speaker at corporate financial services and direct sales conventions, as well as an accomplished author. Combining humor and entertainment with easily applied proven systems for personal marketing, audiences come away ready to immediately profit and prosper from Bob's instruction and coaching. For more information, feel free to visit Berg.com. That's B-U-R-G.com. Hello, Bob. Thank you so much. I'm honored to, to have you on the Entrepreneur Show today. Hey, Tom. The honor's mine. Thanks for having me. Bob, I noticed on a tweet, in fact, we talked before we got on the show, is I really like one of the tweets that you had, which was, uh, I'll quote, our belief systems are the prism through which we view life, and they are often self-imposed prison. Can you share with us, you know, your experience with that and, and you know, what it means to you? Well, yeah. I mean, it, a belief system, really, when you when you come down to it, a belief is a subjective truth by the very definition of the thing that's what it is a belief is what you believe is the truth about a certain thing perhaps the way life works right so it's a subjective truth which doesn't mean it's the truth it means it's your truth or it's my truth which may be the truth but far more often than not it isn't and these these beliefs this belief system we all have is something that was given to us before we were able to utilize critical thinking <laughs> in order to determine and decide whether we wanted to have these beliefs. In other words, upbringing, environment, schooling, and then as we get older, news media, television shows, movies, everything that comes into our life. But, you know, Tom, by the time we're a little more than toddlers, our basic belief system, our subjective truth about the way the world works has already been taken in. It's already a part of us by the time we're a little more than toddlers. And after that, everything else that comes into our existence is is added to that basic foundational premise. So most of us, we grow up with this set of beliefs. Basically, we are we are subject to what I call our unconscious operating system. In other words, while we believe we're acting and operating out of free will, conscious choice and thought, really we're operating within some very set parameters, a matrix, if you will, right? And we don't even know it until we're made aware of it. Now, even after we're aware of it and we begin studying it, it's still a conscious battle or it's still an ongoing battle to stay conscious of this recognizing that everything we think and everything we feel and everything we say and everything we do is based upon those beliefs. Now, here's the thing. Not only do we operate this way unconsciously, okay, 
but so does everyone else. <laughs> they, they, they operate based on their belief systems, how they see the world, the truths as they understand the truths to be. But let's take it even one more step further. As human beings, we think, we believe that the way we see the world is basically the way everyone else sees the world, which is intuitive. I mean, how could it be any different? It's all we know. Most conflicts are really the result of two people seeing the same basic thing from two different points of view and often not even understanding that that's the case. That's why we have things called misunderstandings. Ah, wonderful. What do you see is how to unlearn that process, if it's possible, to where you can actually be a chooser in your own life? Oh, it's it's possible. It just starts with awareness of the issue itself. See, if, if and again, most people don't study these things, and so they're not realizing that everything they're doing is driven by these unconscious beliefs. The book that I read that first really introduced me to this in a big way It was published in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz. It was called Psycho-Cybernetics, which sounds like a fancy title. It's really not. It's just mind-machine, psycho-cybernetics. And it was really about how when we we do see the world in a certain way and we're not even aware of it and the outcomes are going to be based on how we see things. So it's consciousness. It's, it's awareness first. It's simply awareness that it's a thing. Because remember, only when we're aware of an issue are we even in a position to take steps to correct it. Once we know this and we begin studying it, now what we need to do is constantly remind ourselves of it, right? Constantly remind ourselves. I mean, put little yellow sticky note where <laughs> stay conscious think be aware and we need to start questioning our premises so when we hear and i'll give you an example of that which is very effective in a, in a moment it's questioning our premises it's, it's asking why when we accept something as a truth ask ourselves why based on what i often say to people if you are a let's say political liberal okay watch fox news sometimes if you're a political conservative watch cnn and msnbc now don't watch it in order to judge and in order to be disgusted but also you don't have to watch it to agree with it either just watch it to see why they think the way they think where are they coming from what are their thought processes And then when you watch your own, depending upon your political beliefs, and you hear them say something that you just accept as fact, ask yourself why you accept that and why they say it. How did they learn it? Who did they learn it from? Who did that person learn it from? Read books from people you're predisposed to disagree with as well as those you agree with. That's how you start thinking. Don't be afraid that you're going to all of a sudden believe, hey, if you started believing in it, maybe there's a reason. Maybe you're not totally 100% correct about what you believe. But very few of us are. But the more you understand, the more you start checking your premises and asking why you're believing a certain thing, the better it is. I'll tell you a great book that I, I read. It's called Mistakes Were Made but not by me. 
And it's really about cognitive dissonance and confirmation bias, which is one of the deadliest things when it comes to making mistakes based on just looking at the world a certain way and not seeing that there's another way, maybe. It is such a vitally, vitally important book. The author's names are Carol Tavris and Elliot Aronson. It is updated in 2015. It is absolutely a, a brilliant, brilliant book. Thanks for recommending. Bob, where did you get your sense of ins- uh, inspiration and your, uh, I call it an ability to be a chooser in your life? Who are people that were influential in you deciding to think critically about your personal life and, and your business life? That's a great question because I absolutely, when I was younger, I mean, I remember this going into my 20s. I absolutely thought I had everything figured out. I mean, I believed I understood human nature, which I didn't. There were basic premises of life. I mean, I looked at the world a certain way and it was just, it was correct. And anybody else was absolutely a good friend of mine, uh, uh, Judy Piani, who wrote a book called Trait, T-R-A-I-T, Trait Secrets. Her theme throughout her book was basically normal Mm. is what I am. Mm. Again, it's very human. We all did. Now, I think it was just that I kept reading and reading and seeing things that challenged me. And rather than just not accepting it and sloughing it off and saying, I started to just ask myself questions. You know, why? I remember reading Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand over and over again. She said, check your premises. Check your premises. Ask why. And that really had an effect on me. I started asking why a lot more. And again, it's something we need to be consciously aware of and not let our ego get in the way because we can be wrong and it's okay to change your mind about things. This is terrific. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Bob Berg, internationally renowned author and speaker. For more information, feel free to visit berg.com. Again, that is B-U-R-G.com. Going back to, uh, again, letting your ego get in the way. And I asked you a little about some people that were inspiring to you. Is there anyone else even even currently in your life that, that continues to inspire you, whether it's you know, spiritual, actual human being. What is it that, what keeps you kind of going? Because I, I, what I've noticed, Bob, even in your books, and some of which I've read years ago, is there's always a, like, if you get offended, you do, there's like a refresh button on your life. (laughs) Like you seem to, you seem to be pushing this refresh button. And each time it's like, it's new, but it still has a a thread of the same values. What would you attribute that to? First of all, you said about being offended. I mean, to me, that's the nicest compliment you can give me. Okay. Yeah, because it you know it says that it's noticeable that I'm while I again I believe I'm congruent in terms of principles and so forth. It means that that it's obvious to others who have been in a sense you know following some of the writings that I've been able to grow because that's really you know what it is. And if we we cannot grow if we just choose to have one view. And don't take, don't, will not allow us to take, to take anything in. You know, there's a, 
right now, politically, there is something going on that's really distressing to me. And this has been happening for a while, but it used to be in terms of political discourse. And again, let's take left and right, if you will, to just, you know, I'm neither one. I'm, I'm very much a libertarian. So I, I think that what that does, because I agree with the left in certain areas and I agree with the right in certain areas, and probably someone hearing that is really angry that I just said I agree with that, you know, each, you know, anyone listening that's on one side is probably angry that I, that he, what, how can he disagree with them on anything, right? Not realizing that they are also with them to someone else. Okay. But I think what it allows me to do is to maybe a more of a 10,000 foot view, if you will. And what I see is that it used to be in political discourse, again, especially between the left and the right, it was, I'm right, you're wrong. Now, that was never ideal, but it was workable because when you believe that you're right and someone else is wrong, you'll at least engage with them because you believe there's a hope in turning them to your side, if you will. Okay. Again, it, that's not the best way to approach something, but it's okay. It's, it's workable. There's engagement there. There's dialogue there. Now it's no longer I'm right, you're wrong. It's I'm right, you're evil. Oh, interesting. And okay, good point. Dialogue stops there. Because you will not engage with someone who you believe is evil, and anyone who believes that you believe they're evil won't engage with you. And here's the interesting thing. Yes, there are those on the left and those on the right who are pretty kind of nutty, okay? Sure. I mean, they're, they're, there's always sure. big worlds. There's going to be people on either. So who are real? Okay. But I got to tell you, because I know people on both the left and the right, and I'm friends with people on the left and the right. of them, they all basically want the same thing for this country. They want a country where people can, can live their lives and pursue happiness, where they can be uh, prosperous, right? You know, where they have access to affordable healthcare, where they can get access to affordable and good quality education with all the things that those on the left want, the right basically want, and both, most of the things on the right that the right want, the left basically wants. They have two totally different ideas regarding the best way to achieve that, of course, absolutely. Okay. But by and large, they want the same thing. In fact, I'll tell you the, the best book, and I would ask anyone who was involved in any kind of political discourse to get this book. It's called The Righteous Mind by Professor Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T, Professor Jonathan Haidt, The Righteous Mind. And he talks about what the left holds to be a value, what the right generally holds to be a value, and how so many of those things are the same, and yet they see those two things. You know, when they look at the word safety, health, liberty, all these different things. Yeah, they all agree. They all want it. But they see it. They define it in two different ways. Now, if you don't understand how that other person is defining a term, you, you can't engage with it. You can't, you, first of all, you can never persuade them because you've got to understand how someone thinks first before you can move them to your side of the issue. So if you really want to persuade people to your side of an issue, understand how they see that issue. Don't see them as evil. The chances are they're not. (laughs) Okay. 
So, and one thing I say is, you know, we should never confuse tact with compromise. We can always speak to people tactfully, kindly, and respectfully without compromising our values. Yeah. Well stated. Bob, much of your uh, obviously career has been in speaking and in business and helping uh, provide people with the tools and confidence to uh, build a more uh, lucrative and fulfilling business. But it sounds like you're also able to do it just for their lives too. In fact, maybe that's an underlying purpose is actually to have them have a, a more healthy, prosperous and fulfilling life. If I'm reaching, tell me I'm, I, I am. But I think I'm looking for, again for the essence of uh, who Bob Berg is and what Bob Berg stands for. Well, I mean, you bring up a great point regarding, let's, you know, when we talk about success, right? Success comes in many forms. Financial success is just one of them. It's important, but it's just one form of success in terms of financial, physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, relational. And I think what we try to get across in our books, John David Mann and, and myself in the, the Go-Giver series, and I think I try to do this in my, my other books, is that universal laws are universal laws that work across the board. Principles are principles. And the same principles that work in creating more wealth also work in creating better relationships and work in creating more mental acuity and, and, and so forth. Now, strategies differ. Tactics, if you will, differ. Okay. But the principles hold true. I think that is something that, that you know, we try to, to get across. Can you share with us the, the Go-Giver series? You know, what was a bit of the inspiration for it and, you know, kind of circle around to where it is now as well? Yeah. Well, the inspiration for that one, the original parable, in the series was was because of my book, Endless Referrals, which I, I had out years and years ago. We've had three revised editions. The last one came out in 2005, but I, it first came out in 1994. And it was on how business people, entrepreneurs and salespeople could create relationships that result in people feeling good about them, people knowing them, liking them, trusting them, wanting to do business with them and wanting to refer them to others. And it was a, very much a how-to book. Over the years, I'd read a lot of parables and, uh, oh, you know, which are short, uh, usually kind of short and they're works of fiction, although based on, you know, again, true principles, but, but fictional works that you could kind of take, you know, I think stories really connect with people and the parables I read connected with me. And I'd always thought, wouldn't it be great to take the basic premise of endless referrals which was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust and turn that into a parable. So in titling it, the first question we basically asked is, well, so what is the essence of a person who's able to both quickly and sustainably create those know, like, and trust relationships? And the answer is they're always giving. They're giving value to others. They have a focus on giving value to others. So we came up with the go-giver. And the basic premise of that is simply that shifting your focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a pleasant way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way as well. Excellent. This is the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're going to go up. 
point our attention to Furry Friends Adoption Clinic and Ranch, part of the Humane Society of Greater Jupiter Sequesta in Florida. It's a 501c3 not-for-profit no-kill rescue organization headquartered in Jupiter, Florida. We're the only uh, they're the only shelter open to the public in northern Palm Beach County, and it has been rescuing, rehabilitating, and rehoming homeless animals in the community for more than 30 years. For more information, you're welcome to go to furryfriendsadoption.org. Again, that's furryfriendsadoption.org. We're talking today with Bob Berg, internationally renowned author and speaker. For more information, you can visit Bob's website at Berg.com. Again, B-U-R-G.com. Bob, thank you for uh, introducing us to the, the, the Furry Friends. Oh, they do such an amazing job. What a dedicated, dedicated group of people. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Immense value to others. Can you share with your audience today what that means to you, you know, from a heart level? I know you've got books and the Go-Giver series documents that and provides actionable steps to doing so with great outcomes. But for you, what does that mean to you, that immense value to others? Well, again, uh, it always goes back to defining our terms, right? And so what is value really? Value different than price, right? Because price is a dollar dollar amount. It's finite is what it is. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth or or value to someone that they're willing to and and will excitedly exchange uh, in the business sense their their if you will, for this and be glad they did while you make very healthy profit. So both parties come away better off after the exchange than they were beforehand. But value, and we've always got to understand, and this is, again, whether we're talking business, personal, what have you, that value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not about what you find to be a value or what you think they should find to be a value. It's what they find to be of value. And that's, again, why we've always got to focus on the other person, not on ourselves. And understanding that our belief system says we find this valuable, but maybe that other person doesn't. It would be sort of like, let's say, a a realtor showing someone a home, right? And the realtor says, oh, you know what I really love about this, you know, room? It has blah, 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 blah. Well, that's fine. The realtor holds that to be a value, but since they're not the person buying the home, they're the one selling it. It doesn't really, right? And the only way we can know what is in another person's mind and heart is to ask questions and then listen. The Go-Giver series. It shot up, I'm here reading here in uh, your, your site, to number six on the Wall Street Journal's best business sellers list uh, just only three weeks after its release and reached number nine on Business Week. And translated into 21 languages. How the heck does that feel to know what you and your uh, your group are putting out is is that well received? I mean, just from an uh, internal view. Yeah, I mean, it's just a wonderful compliment. You know, the, the book is now sold, well, now close to 975,000 copies in 28 languages. And it's, uh, yeah. It's really, well, yeah, I, I, 
Yeah. <laughs> wow. and we say 950 because that's the last where it where it uh, left off. But we know that since that time, it's it's actually probably a little more than 975,000. But altogether, the four books have sold well over a million. And so, you know, we say that in a way that that really speaks of the people who've gotten behind it, because that's not something a couple of co-authors can do by themselves. Sure. That's people really getting behind this book and sharing it with others and utilizing it in their businesses and in their lives. And, you know, so we're both of us, John David Mann and myself, we're, we're so grateful for that. So, we're, you know, it's not something that we look at ourselves and say, Oh, wow. Look, no, we look at, you know, at uh, team go giver, which is basically everyone out there who has bought the book and then suggested it to others, given it as gifts, used it in their, you know, their different studies, whether business or, or religious or schools or book clubs and, and everything. So it's just, we, we just, we're so grateful. Outstanding. But Jane, share a little bit about your, uh, your podcast as well, how that kind of came about and, and uh, how you're doing with it. It looks terrific from what I've seen. Thanks. Well, yeah, the, the podcast has been a lot of fun. Uh, just, you know, where else can you get to talk to all these really cool people and, and you know, learn so much from them? And uh, Yes, know. absolutely. So, yeah, we've been on hiatus for a while, and I will probably start up again in, in the summer. I've been doing a lot more videos on the, uh, the Berg.com blog, and, uh, and so I've been doing video blogs and doing those twice a week. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. So we just love that, that through the internet, you know, through technology, you're just able to produce a whole lot more information and, and hopefully a lot more value. <laughs> and you hope that that value is in the eyes of the beholders and that they're finding it to be a value. Bob, what if, uh, we're coming to the close of um, your show today. What would you like to share with your audience that we may not have touched on that you, uh, you, you think is important for them? You know, one of the biggest lessons that I ever learned in my life, something that really set me on a, a great path for business, it happened about 40, almost 40 years ago. I'd been in sales for a couple of years. I had read, studied, learned, listened, and I had, I had taken on a new job. I was selling a, a high ticket item for a company and I had done well for the first couple months of this new job, but I got in a slump and I really was having trouble getting out of the slump. And I realized the reason I was in a slump was there was a big problem. That problem was me, <laughs> as these things usually are. <laughs> and I remember coming back from a, a non-selling uh, appointment, and, and I was really disgusted with myself because I knew it was my fault that the, the sale didn't take place. And uh, I, I was in the, the sales lounge, and a, a guy came in. He was a much older guy. I didn't know him very well. He was not in the sales department either. I think he was in the engineering department. I, to this day, I still don't know. Uh, and he, I think he retired soon after. But he was one of these guys, and you, you've probably met people like this before, Tom. He didn't say much, but whenever he did say something, it was always profound. And so when he asked me, uh, Berg, he was, a, he was a last name kind of guy. He said, Berg, can I give you some advice? And, and I said, yeah, please do. I think he saw me sort of as Joe in the story and the, the go-giver as that guy who was the up and coming young, you know, really action oriented, good intent, but something was lacking that was keeping him, me <laughs> from reaching the true potential. And, and it was really about 
focus. And he said to me, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, and we can just as well say entrepreneurship because entrepreneurship, sales is a big part, right? If you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. Now, when you hit the target, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. But never forget, the money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It ain't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And that's when it hit me that great salesmanship was never about the salesperson. In fact, it's not even about the product or service as important as those are. Sales, great salesmanship is about the other person. It's about touching the life of that other person. It's adding immense value to the life of another human being and then recognizing that money is simply an echo of value. And when we know that and we know the focus can't be on the money, not if you want true sustainable success, the focus must be on bringing immense value to another human being. Bob, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on our show today. Thank you very much. and Well stated. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we can go on another. I hope you're open to uh, come on our show again in the very near future. I'd love to have you. I'd love it. I'd love it again. Thank you again, Bob. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's Radio Show and Podcast. Our guest today has been Bob Berg. Bob's an internationally renowned and sought-after speaker at corporate financial services and direct sales conventions, as well as an accomplished author, combining humor and entertainment with easily applied, proven systems for personal marketing. Audiences come away ready to immediately prosper and benefit from Bob's instruction and coaching. For more information, feel free to visit Berg.com. Again, that's B-U-R-G.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another purpose-driven entrepreneur or high-performing game changer committed to ideas, positive outcomes, and a better world. I'm Tom Dior. The Entrepreneur's radio show and podcast is recorded at Stanford University Studios in Palo Alto, California, and on location. The chief audio engineer is Eris Jacopoulos. Chief engineer is Mark Lawrence, and we are all assisted by Peter Caroline and Omar L. Sabrao and the executive producer and host of The Entrepreneur's Show is Tom Dior. If you wish to contact us, our email is interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu. Again, that's interviews at kzsu.stanford.edu.